are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. Welcome to Because You Asked. I'm Barry Usman. We're at the Israeli Air Force Center in Herzliya, Israel. Thanks to the Foundation for hosting us. Our guest today is Dr. Martin Sherman, uh, author, teacher, and uh, head of the local institute on political studies, who is going to talk to us about his revolutionary theories. In part one, we're talking today about the problem facing Israel as it moves forward and wants to survive as an independent, vibrant Jewish nation. Dr. Sherman, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. Appreciate it. So you are officially the executive director and founder of the Israel Institute for Strategic Studies. Start out telling us what's that. Well, that's a new uh, policy center, uh, a think tank, which was founded to try and counteract the dictates of political correctness that you find in most other think tanks and policy centers in Israel and to try and promote a more uh, assertive and resolute uh, paradigm for Zionism and advancing the national interest of Israel. Okay, so in regards to your primary thesis today in regards to the future of the State of Israel, Dr. Sherman, you see two issues that are critical in terms of needing to be solved as Israel moves forward into the 21st century. Right? Sure. Well, for Israel to endure as the nation state of the Jewish people, it has to address two imperatives the geographic imperative and the demographic imperative. Now, now this should be almost self evident because if it doesn't address them, Israel will either be untenable geographically or demographically or both. So let's break it down. What does geographically mean in terms of Israel's future as a nation state? Well, for Israel to be viable geographically, it has to control, it has to exert sovereign control over the entire area from the River Jordan to the Mediterranean Sea. In other words, where the borders originally were supposed to be. Yes, uh, because from the area designated for the Palestinian state, uh, you control all the airfields, military and civilian, uh, the uh, commercial ports and uh, naval bases, uh, vital infrastructure installations and systems like, for instance, electricity, sweet water system, uh, road and rail, and 80% of the population and 80% of the uh, economic activity, all of these will be in range of weapons being used today from territories evacuated by Israel and handed over to Arab administration. So this can no longer be dismissed as right-wing uh, scaremongering. This is the empirical precedent. Well, I can tell you, just as we talked about, I was driving the other day on the, the highway, number six, and to our right, right up against the freeway, literally, was the separation barrier between Israel and the territories. And I pointed out to my daughter, as we looked left towards the sea, we could see the sea and the power plant uh, at Tel Aviv, very clearly. And in other words, it was so short, it was so close, if you had any short-range mortar up against the barrier from the Palestinian side, no long-range anything. You could be dropping missiles and bombs on that power plant. Sure, sure. 
sure. You in seconds. You could easily set up ambushes to totally disrupt a major traffic artery in Israel with uh, light weapons. Uh, the, the country would be untenable, it would be impossible to maintain any socio-economic routine because this could be disrupted at will by any even renegade forces who were in the, in the so-called West Bank. Now you have a video on that that we're going to include in this that will show the incredible narrowness of the country at, a, at certain points. Well, it's an untenable vulnerability. You, you, just, you just couldn't maintain, as I said, the socio-economic routine uh, because just the threat of disrupting it would be, uh, you know, make, make the country unmanageable. So, in terms of defense, if an opposition force, or as you say, as often happens from Gaza, when rockets come flying over the Gaza fence, which I was at yesterday, uh, sometimes uh, the leadership claims responsibility, and other times they have this goofy thought of, well, we didn't do it, we're not sure who did. What you're suggesting is anybody yeah. that had access to weapons sure. could stop commerce in Israel, not to mention disrupt politically and normal life in a heartbeat. Sure, but, you know, but the big difference between the situation in Gaza and in Judea and Samaria is that the, the, the Gazan border is 50 kilometers long. Gaza has no topographical superiority over the adjacent area, which in any way is a sparsely populated rural area. When you're talking about Judea and Samaria, you're going to have a 500 kilometer border uh, with total topographic superiority and abutting a, a densely populated urban area. So, I mean, it's, it's completely different. It's not only setting up a mega Gaza, it's setting up a mega Gaza which, is, which controls basically the center of life of Israel. So, you know, it would be, and, and, and unless you're prepared to, to gamble on uh, the, the, the most optimistic and unrealistic uh, scenario, uh, it's totally irresponsible even to promote such an idea. Well, we looked at some pictures earlier um, from what is the West Bank, as it were. With binoculars, you're looking right into Ben-Gurion Airport sure. with jumbo jets arriving and departing every minute, sure. coming in and coming out. Sure, sure. The, 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 the airport was completely exposed to any high trajectory weapon from, uh, from within the, the, the territories that were designated. Uh, for a Palestinian state, it would be almost impossible to, to maintain ongoing airline flights. You know, in the Western press, especially in the United States, the idea, that, as it's discussed geographically, is no army could be allowed to be there. But what you're talking about is one man, two man, three man, sure. with yeah, some, yeah. some you know, light weapons, and Israel comes to a halt as, as an, a modern state. Sure, you know, the demilitarization in the normal sense of having no heavy armor, no having long-range artillery or air force is irrelevant here. As you can see, Gaza is theoretically demilitarized by the Oslo agreements. The Oslo agreements were supposed to have Gaza demilitarized. But that doesn't mean to say that you cannot have renegade forces with short-range missiles, with mortars. And as we can see now, they've even developed uh, through smuggling and other methods, uh, long-range missiles. In the last encounter with Gaza, the, the missiles had ranges of 100 kilometers, and Gaza is supposed to be demilitarized. So, so demilitarization in the normal sense of the, the word is not relevant because you could shut down Israel with uh, weapons that are, that are easily available and cheap to, to renegade elements. So talk to me about the demographic issue. 
Well, for, as, as I said, Israel needs to address effectively two imperatives. The one is the geographic, and as we've talked about now, that entails uh, extending Israel's sovereign control over all the territory from the river to the sea. The demographic uh, imperative requires Israel to maintain an overwhelming Jewish majority. Um, now, even if the uh, optimistic demographic estimates are right, and if Israel were to annex Judea and Samaria, they would still maintain a 65, uh, 60 to 65% uh, Jewish uh, majority. That still means that there's a 35 to 40% Muslim minority. Uh, if this is incorporated into Israel's uh, permanent population, this will make uh, the maintenance of Israel as the nation-state of the Jewish people impossible. And so in order to address both these imperatives, the geographic imperative and the demographic imperative, Israel has to hold the territory up to the Jordan River and uh, devise ways for reducing the Arab presence within that sovereign territory. We're going to talk about the solutions in part two. Let's talk about fully developing the problem. From what I hear you say, Dr. Sherman, it is impossible for the Jewish nation to survive and prosper unless both of these issues or imperatives as you discuss them are solved. In other words, if you solve the geography but not the population, the Jewish nation will barely be a Jewish nation, if at all. If you solve the demographic but not the, sorry, yeah, the demographic, but not the geographic, then you have a Jewish nation that survives on paper, but in terms of prosperity, safety, and the ability to protect your citizenry, not to mention the tourism, becomes impossible. When I landed at Ben-Gurion last week, I counted the planes coming in and out, the jumbo jets from all over the world, just while I was going through immigration, and I think there were 30 planes that came in in 45 minutes. Sure. And, and that seems to be co happening constantly. Yeah, no, tourism and international trade, international conferences, etc., etc., are a big part of the ongoing uh, life in Israel. And uh, that certainly would be threatened perilously by exposing the only international airport that Israel has to the kind of dangers we discussed. Got it. All right, <laughs> we've got two big problems, and in part two, we get to hear your solutions. Thanks, Dr. Sherman. Thank Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org. And subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.